Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we just announced our, I believe it's ninth uh, Jukai and Ango season uh, to begin in September. So I've been getting a lot of questions from folks about that. And many of the questions concern whether the person is good enough to take Jukai. If they take the precepts, can they live up to the standards? Never, never break a precept. And I remind them that the precepts are for human beings, not machines. And they point to ways of life in which we make mistakes, but hopefully not too badly. When we do make mistakes, we try again. And the precepts teach us to learn from our mistakes and head in a good direction. It's not for people who are perfect because people who are perfect don't need the precepts. Same for joining a community, which is part of the Jukai. They say, is this the right community for me? And I say, well, that's up to you. Like finding the right marriage, like finding the right job, like finding the right house. You can make your own choice, but this is probably the right community for you and the wrong community for you. And I am probably the right teacher for you and probably the wrong teacher for you because I am not perfect. And, but if I may say I'm not too bad. I mean, let, let me put it this way about teachers. As I always say about teachers, you don't want a perfect teacher and you don't want a crook. You know a crook? You don't want a teacher who's like, let's say, a bank robber, who's an uh, abuser. We have some of these, you know, in the West. We've had some people with serious issues, fortunately just a handful. But you don't want someone who's physically abusive, psychologically abusive, you don't want one who's an overt and repeated liar. You know, you can actually learn from those people too. Don't get me wrong. If a guy, you know, you find out your teacher is uh, really the, uh, the Boston Strangler, and you go, oh, my gosh, I didn't know my teacher. He was also in his secret life. He was a serial killer. You go, well, but he's still your teacher. You still learn from that. But the point is, no, a Buddhist teacher should not kill like that. Buddhist teacher, teacher should not uh, steal, should not be robbing banks, um, especially for his own bank account. Um, but the perfect teacher can also be a problem too. And I tell you, if you find that perfect teacher, hey, I'm not telling you not to go to the perfect teacher, 
But unfortunately, the perfect teacher cannot teach you so much about how to live in this world because this world is rarely perfect. Perfect teacher, you know, a teacher who always says the right thing, always does the right thing, maybe has a golden light shining. I was, I was thinking about one time putting lights behind so while I speak, I could have an aura as I'm speaking. But um, if you find that teacher, please go to that teacher uh, because uh, the guy is perfect. Maybe he's onto something, but in maybe not so useful for living in this world because this world is not perfect. This world is sometimes beautiful and sometimes ugly and sometimes very satisfying and sometimes very dissatisfying. So I, I advise you to find a teacher who's so-so. So if it comes to having a teacher who's so-so and sometimes very good, but sometimes very disappointing, you have found your teacher because I am telling you, I am the most disappointing teacher you can find. How lucky you are to have found me. And this community is a very beautiful, or, I mean, Tridiv Sangha, is a very beautiful, sometimes frustrating place that will sometimes meet your highest expectations and sometimes seem like a complete waste of time. How lucky you are to have found this completely mediocre, half-assed Sangha. You know, I, but I really mean that. For example, let's say it was a restaurant. You know, you want to go to a restaurant. You always want to have delicious food, delicious food. But if you go to Zen temple, sometimes they serve you delicious food. And sometimes they serve you food that's very, yeah, maybe the donations that day were not so good. So you have the same rice dish again with the same bitter vegetable overcooked, a little soggy, and you learn to eat it, accepting the tasty food is tasty and the soggy, yucky food is just what it is. And this is Zen experience. Uh, no Zen temple should give you poison. Don't get me wrong. Nobody anywhere, nobody wants food poisoning. So even there, there are limits. I'm not saying, oh, if you have complete transcendence of good and bad, I can give you anything and you'll be fine. No, you're going to be throwing up. I mean, it's, there are unhealthy things in this world. But within the bounds of what is generally good and healthful, sometimes there's the delicious and sometimes there's the bitter. In the Zen experience too, in the temple, sometimes there are things that will make your heart fly. The ceremony will take you and you say, I'm in heaven. Oh, I listen to the chanting, the incense, the beautiful robes. My Zazen today was so perfect. And then other times you say, I'm cleaning the kitchen again for the seventh time. My teacher is a jerk. My uh, the guy in my room, my roommate, he snores and it bothers me. And all of this is the Zen temple. Recently, um, the reason I'm discussing this is because today's koans from um, the book of Serenity, my job is to make them relevant for us. And they're all kind of about daily life. They're not just about something outside that. And they're about my life these days, too. I, I have, um, in the Sangha, there are some people who think I'm wonderful. They're wrong. 
there are some people uh, who think I'm a real disappointment and a total jerk. They're probably closer to the truth, but uh, hopefully there's something um, to be seen in all this that can transcend this. And that leads to our first case, the Diamond Sutra's reviling. Main case, attention. This is Gojuhachi. Uh, the Diamond Sutra says if someone is reviled by others, it is because that person has acquired negative karma in a previous existence. Because of this past failing into evil ways, he is reviled by people in this life. And in being reviled, the karma of the past will be exhausted. Well, I, I'm sure even if you don't believe in a, in a very mechanical view of karma from many, many lives past, you can say things like what goes around comes around. You know, if people um, who don't like you, what you're doing, sometimes it's because you deserve it. Sometimes you're just getting your just desserts because you were a jerk to someone in the past and now it's your turn. And um, sometimes you don't deserve it, but they don't like you anyway. And I think nothing is clearer than my relationship with my 13-year-old son who on a good day seems these days to think I'm okay. He's not the little boy who used to listen to my every word every more and just sit on my knee and go where I wanted and just look at me like I was a god. Papa. He's now my 13-year-old who on a good day kind of looks at me and I know he's tolerating my existence. And on a bad day, he just thinks I'm just the worst thing in his life. And you know something? Sometimes he's right. A lot of times he's wrong. When I tell him, don't eat potato chips in bed, because I told you five times, don't eat potato chips in bed. And he goes, you're just ruining my life. And I hate you. And I'm going to move out someday and get my own bed where I can eat potato chips all day. And I say, too, and I realize that's my karma, because I said the same thing to my father and my mother 30 years ago. You're ruining my life. I want to eat potato chips in bed. I know. I just literally, I can hear it. I know exactly how he feels. And sometimes he, he gets mad at me because he's right. I've done something foolish. Sometimes we do have bad fathers who do bad things. All of us. We were talking this week, uh, some of us privately, about difficult parents. I had difficult uh, mother. She had issues. And sometimes she would act in ways. I know she had a heart of gold, but she could be very abusive at times. At the times, it was incredibly painful. And um, I got very angry at her, and I was right to, at the time, resent what she was doing. But it was her own pain that was doing it. It took me many years to realize that that's all it was. It was her own pain that was coming through. And many of us have had difficult parents like that. So we get our own karma. Sometimes we deserve it, and sometimes we don't. In the Sangha this week, I have had issues with a couple of my uh, priests in training, who I have told uh, for various reasons. I think uh, we've got to try something else, and I don't think all of them are so happy about me. You know what? I don't know if they're right. I don't know if they're wrong, but I'm making the best call I can. It is no different in a Sangha, Buddhist Sangha, from an family from an office 
from a church, from a club, you're going to have, how to say it, interpersonal issues, always. And you're going to have people who, I mean, who's worked in an office where everyone's get along? Huh? Raise your hand. Who's worked in this office where everybody loves each other? Have you ever worked there? Your laboratory. Everybody gets along and loves each other, right? And it's totally harmony. She, she's no comment. Was she said no? No comment. Family. Some people in the family are great. My father was an Iraq. A uh, wonderful guy, but uh, families are the same way. People split. People have frictions. It happens. That's what this koan is about, too. There is something that transcends people and divisions and friction. The Diamond Sutra is about that. It's about emptiness. And thus it says, I didn't write this down in the Japanese version for you, but the Diamond says, Sutra says, all dharmas, that's all things of the world, all phenomena, are like dreams, illusions, bubbles, shadows, like lightning flashes. They're empty. You cannot have friction between two people. The math of Buddhism sometimes is very simple. You cannot have friction between two people because there's no two people to have friction. Buddhism 101, literally, one non-one. You can't have tension between you and some disappointment about some other thing because there is no other thing and no you to be disappointed. Basic Buddhist teaching. This is what the Diamond Sutra is about. But as we say in Buddhism, that's only 80% because all of Buddhism is about bringing this back to this disappointing world and our disappointing family and our disappointing office and our disappointing Sangha and our disappointing Buddhist teacher. Here's my joke about Buddha and Jesus. They were perfect. You know why? I gave three reasons Buddha is perfect. Number one, he's dead. So we only have stories about Buddha and the statue. He looks pretty good in there. He doesn't move in the statue, and he's made of gold. How could, he's perfect. Doesn't open his mouth. Right? That's number one. Number two, the reason Buddha is uh, perfect is uh, because Buddha is what the Diamond Sutra is talking about, which is beyond all conditioned things. Buddha is not just the man, but Buddha represents uh, that which is beyond one and two. So there's no friction. There's no tension. There's no two things in Buddhism, in Buddha. Buddha is this. Okay, that's number two reason. And number three reason about Jesus and Buddha, the reason Jesus and Buddha, uh, everyone loves them and they cause no problems is because everybody has their own Jesus and their own Buddha. See, you know, Christians amongst themselves don't agree about Christianity and they're sometimes willing to kill each other about it. Buddhists, Buddhists too sometimes, in a, but a more polite way. We don't usually kill each other, but we kind of go, that guy's... Buddhism is no good. Because, because Buddha is not around, we can all have our own Buddha or our own Jesus. Jesus happens to agree with everything I agree. I belong to this church that I belong to, and that's the one that's the only church that got Jesus right. Or this way of Buddhism is the only one that figured out Buddha. So we were, I was talking to Mr. K about um, some of his experiences. 
who is now Kakunin, and I, we were talking about which is the best Buddhism. And I used to say, when you're at Antaiji, Antaiji, good place, and Ananji, good place, and Trilive, good place, and Ananji, bad place, and Antaiji, bad place, and this Trilive, terrible place. Terrible. I'm a terrible teacher. I'm horrible, you see. And so was Muho at Antaiji, beautiful, genius guy, really, and he's also terribly annoying <laughs> in his own way, and the other teacher. And you see, because we've all figured it out, our way is the only way. We are the first people. We figured out Buddhism. Buddha would agree with us. And he's not around, he's dead, so it's easy for us to say, my Buddha is the Buddha, and all the other Buddha is no good, and my Zen is the best Zen, and all the other Zen, no. Okay? Okay? So you, you got to see, uh, everybody can have their own Buddha, because that's what, how come we have 10,000 flavors of Buddhism. We, and how come Buddhism doesn't exist in India anymore? If the Buddha was so wonderful teacher, uh, first of all, I'm going to get to that in a second, but how come there's no Buddhism in India? He would have just convinced everybody and they would have been finished, you know? But the Buddhism doesn't exist in India anymore because apparently uh, even he could not convince everybody in India to be a Buddhist. And the, the Islam came and they said, let's try that. <laughs> so, and then Hinduism came and let's try that. So, uh, I'm reading the Vinaya now. The Vinaya are, is the rule book for the monks in the old India. And it's very, very interesting to me. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules, literally, about all the things you're, you're supposed to do and not do as a monk. But if you read these stories, I feel so sorry for the Buddha who's in this because these monks are always driving him crazy. I think I got trouble with my, you know, handful of... of uh, these guys who have hooked themselves to me, the Buddha has got people every day. All he must have been doing was solving disputes amongst these, these monks who are, your chair is bigger than my chair. So he makes a rule. You can only have a chair this size. Hey, the guy took my socks. Don't take socks. I don't think they wore socks, but you get my point. Okay. Or uh, this guy's eating. So he shouldn't be eating that. Okay. Let's have another rule. All these guys. And one guy actually is trying to have a coup d'etat. Devadatta is having have a coup d'etat to, to be more Buddha than the Buddha, and he's trying to actually get the Buddha to get kicked out of the Sangha. And Devadatta wants to take over. I mean, it's just crazy. The poor Buddha, he must have needed the peace, the, the, the equanimity of a Buddha to be the Buddha, because that was a horrible job. And he's actually, in the book, he comes across as doing pretty good, but, you know, you can sometimes tell he's frustrated. And I was reading about Dogen too, and Dogen is sometimes herding cats there at Antaiji. He had people come to be his monks, uh, not Antaiji, I mean at the Aheji. He had people from all different traditions, and, and actually, they didn't agree on Buddhism. They didn't like each other sometimes. You can read this if you read books like Shobogenzo and the Zui Monkey. You can read in there that Dogen was also dealing with interpersonal issues all the time. And Aheji, which meant the temple of eternal peace, that's what Ahe means, the temple of eternal peace, seems like the uh, temple of eternal interfactional disputes and uh, personnel tensions, if you read 
I'm just exaggerating a little, but I think they were just people, you see. Anyway, Dogen and the Buddha got their own karma. This is my point. This is my point. And it was probably, if you could see through it, Aheji or Antaiji or Anonji or Tree Leaf can be the best place because it teaches you how to see through the imperfections to what the Diamond Sutra is singing about, like a dream, like an illusion, bubbles, shadows. There is eternal peace. Aheji, the temple of endless factional disputes, was also the temple of eternal peace to those who have the eye to see. That's what this koan is about. Let's move on. The deadly snake. Well, this too. Life is filled with poisons and we cannot help but run into them. The preface to the assembly says, leaving yet staying, dwelling yet departing, not leaving, not dwelling. He is without a country. This is a very good, uh, are you reading this? Uh, 59. Very good for someone who just moved, uh, changed house. Yeah. Where can he be met? Anywhere, everywhere. Not Anandji or Antaiji or Pittsburgh or Paris or uh, Japan. Tell me, what thing is it that can be so marvelous? A monk asked Master Seirin, how about when a student proceeds on the trail? Seirin says, the dead snake hits the great road. I advise you not to bump into it. When it's bumped into, then what? You lose your life. It's a dead snake yet uh, with poison, huh? When it's not bumped into, then what? There's no place to dodge it. At that very moment, then what? It has been lost. I wonder where it's gone. The grass is so deep, there's nowhere to seek. It's everywhere. Shield yourself, Osho, that means reverend. Then you'll be all right. Your poison is equal to mine. I don't know. This practice is met everywhere. And we have this lovely way of talking about poison and the deadly in this life. This life is a life and death situation. And we have a way of saying there's an axe that splits two into one. There's a poison, a deadly snake, that bites you and brings you to life. Doesn't kill you, this deadly snake. This deadly snake bites you and brings you to life with something beyond life and death. No, no, that's enough for that one. 60. Rutetsuma's old cow. Now, this is about a couple of old monks who have seen it all, done it all, probably said it all, read it all. And uh, this old woman and this old guy, Isan, she lives in her uh, temple down the mountain. She comes up to the mountain to see uh, Isan, and Isan calls her an old cow, which uh, there's been some controversy whether that's a sexist term, but it's um, probably it's kind of a compliment between two old friends, like, what do you want, your old battle axe, or something like that. Old cow, you've come. 
Utsuma says, there's a big feast on Mount Tai tomorrow, Reverend. Are you going? Nisan just lays down. Utsuma leaves. One of the keys to this is that Mount Tai is um, very, 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 very far away. You can't get there. It's not like saying there's a, you know, just get on the train here in two stations. We go to Mount Tai. It's apparently very, very distant in China. They could not possibly go tomorrow or anytime soon, even if they wanted to. And Mount Tai is the home of Manjushri. And it's a sacred Buddhist site. And there's a big celebration there. So how do you get there? And do you need to go? And are you already there? Isan just laid down. Rutsuma left. Maybe we go back to the opening to case 59. Leaving, yet staying. Dwelling, yet departing. Not leaving, not dwelling. He is without a country. So is she. Where can she be met? Anywhere, everywhere. Tell me. What thing is it that can be so marvelous? Some people say that Isan just, you know, gave up, didn't want to be bothered. But I don't think that's it. There was nothing more in need of saying. And if there was no place to go, why did Rutsama climb up that mountain to see Isan? Just to make the point that there's no place to go. You'd think if there was no place to go, she would have stayed in her temple. Yet she got on the trail, walked up, up, up the mountain, got to see her friend Isan and said, there's no place to go. At which point she turned around and said, there's no place to leave. And she left. Go figure. Anyway. So these mediocre priests are always trying to do the best they can. And uh, failing miserably. That's what the next one is about. Can't pose one stroke. Why can't these Zen teachers say anything just clearly? A roundabout explanation is easy to understand, but imparts only the one hand. Straightforward talk is hard to understand, but opens every direction. I advise you not to speak too clearly. Speak too clearly, and it will be all the more difficult for you to come forth. If you don't believe so, let's have a look at this and see. Attention, a monk asked Kempo, the exalted saints of the ten directions, that means everywhere, have one road to the Nirvana gate. I wonder where the one road is. Kempo made a stroke with his staff. Here it is. I wonder if he actually had to say, here it is. Why didn't he just make the stroke? Here it is. Kind of seems to be extra to say, here it is. But he's, that's the point of the cone. He's doing the best he can. The monk later told Master Uman about this. Uman remarked, 
The fan jumps up to the 33rd heaven and whacks Indra's nose. When the carp of the eastern sea is clubbed once, the rain is like water from a tipped over tray. Understand? Understand? Heck no. What? You know, this Zen teaching is tricky business. First off, again, I remind you, I'm extremely mediocre at, mediocre at this, as um, all other Zen teachers uh, know, that they're, the, know that they are horribly mediocre, and yet we cr constantly criticize each other. If you read the old koan collections, we're constantly criticizing each other. And the guy who thinks, if you find the guy who thinks he's got, he's the only one who's got the right answer, I, th I actually think that's a problem too, like uh, having the guy who's too perfect. But in this case, is this a good answer? Is this a bad answer to this? I don't know. What is the one way to nirvana? Or here it is, or talking about whacking. God on the nose. I get criticized all the time. Some people say, Jundo, you know, when you talk about Zen, it's too clear. You explain too much. I think so. He's, he's nodding. You're not supposed to agree with me. You're supposed to go, no, Jundo, no, you're great. No, no, he's, he was. Some people say my explanation is too clear. Some people say, no, what's all the Zen thing you're talking about? That this what's what's waving your thing? It's a tricky business here because we're trying to explain a way of being and seeing and experiencing that is not completely irrational, but it's not our usual way of experiencing the world. So sometimes we resort to poetry or making a gesture in the air or a chant, for example, you know, you can explain these, these two statements. The fan jumps up to whack God on the nose. Could be something like, well, heaven is not up there. We bring heaven down, getting back to case 59, no staying, no dwelling, not leaving, right? Where can it be met? Anywhere, everywhere. So we whack God on the nose. God is not some distant God right here, right? Beyond up and down, beyond sacred and, uh, what's the opposite of sacred? I think just this is having a blank there, my imperfect head. Profane. When the carp of the Eastern Sea is clubbed once, he becomes a dragon, which is a traditional Chinese uh, scene of enlightenment. When you hit the carp, he turns into the enlightened dragon. Did you know this, Kakunin? When you hit the koi, it becomes a root. And that's Satori. No, he didn't. I don't know. No, no, no. But uh, that's what this. And then the rain of wisdom pours forth as if the sky had opened up like a trays of great heavenly trays of water being. See, I'm explaining too much. So now I'm talking too much because I'm the um, guy who also doesn't know when to shut up. So why don't we leave it there?
um, get back to our imperfect Sangha with our imperfect Jukai and our imperfect priests and our imperfect training program and um, our imperfect uh, internet connection in our imperfect living room where we sit with our imperfect clothes on an imperfect hot day with these imperfect explanations of these very imperfect cones, which she was complaining about my bell the other day. We have our bell. She, she apparently has musical hearing. And what did you say about our bell, Daniela? Be honest. It's out of tune. She said our bell is out of tune. What's wrong with it? It has a second noise to it. It has a second noise, like some kind of an upper tone second noise. I have to have someone sitting here with perfect pitch. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Anyone have any uh, very uh, perfectly imperfect questions? Anything at all? Come on, one at least. Come on. No? We have this perfectly imperfect internet system. Okay. I have a question. Ah! Kakuna has a question. Go ahead. Who is my teacher? Well, we were discussing this the other day. Everybody, nobody, the person who looks like a teacher because he's, he's wearing robes, the person who's uh, difficult in your life and is a real pain in the butt is your teacher, and you are your teacher. That was a softball question. That's kind of like, you know, Zen, any Zen guy can. You understand? Your teacher, uh, the teacher, yeah. everybody is your teacher. The mountain is your teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The tree. Ah, but Saraihito. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah? The person who makes you crazy mm -hmm. is your teacher. Mm -hmm. Okay? The whole world is your teacher. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. All right. So, I have a experience at the Takuhatsu time, yes. and I'm, I'm very... Uh, Takuhatsu's ritual begging, which is one of the things he's been practicing now for a while. Um, uh, I'm do Takuhatsu every day at, at uh, deep summer, so I'm, uh, sit, keep on sit, uh, standing and uh, uh, five hour every day, and uh, so I, I want to uh, run away to everywhere, uh, but I want to go to the temple. But uh, I want to go. I, I want to do takuhatsu. So I'm when I standing time, I uh, have a lot of desire. So to want want to drink a beer, <laughs> want to want to eat uh, uh, ice cream <laughs> and uh, coke. But uh, I'm keep on chanting Hanya Shingyo and uh, uh, sometimes uh, kids. Come and uh, donating me and uh, uh, encourage me and uh, um, and uh, maybe he's a uh, kid is uh, three or four years and uh, donating me money and uh, hit my uh, sound my brain 
and uh, I'm just helped at such kind of uh, uh, no, mm, sound of Orioki uh, ball uh, to the coin. So just one, just one mm, sound just helped me. So uh, every time teacher is uh, doing koan for me and uh, for confusing and uh, I become dying. But uh, uh, another time uh, I uh, do practice and uh, notice about uh, such kind of uh, uh, donation kits is sometimes koan. So I think uh, every happening, uh, every people and uh, just myself is a uh, Everything is my teach, I think. Uh, when somebody puts a coin, uh, puts a coin in your bowl, uh, what do you chant? Oh, right. Yeah. What does it mean? Can you translate uh, And uh, money and sanga. Uh, the, the, all the dharma, the world, the dharma. All, all the dharma world and uh, money and uh, food is uh, very uh, tre tre treasurable treasure, uh, like a treasure. So uh, donating uh, donation is uh, enter enter nanda entrance of a. Uh, uh, Entrance of uh, uh, practicing. So, uh, so, so Buddha give give uh, us uh, equal equal opportunity for the practicing. And sometimes you told me that a drunk fellow would come and he'd put a beer can in your bowl. What do you chant then? Thank you very much. <laughs> Same chant though. No. No? I would. Um, okay, well this no, is a I don't... matter of opinion. But let me ask you this. Then another guy comes and he puts dog poop, uh, inu no fun, oh, in your bowl. What do you What do you do? Oh, same chanting. Same chanting. So what's the difference? My ego. No, 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 no. If it's dog poop. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, same, 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 same. Same. Absolutely same. Money, beer, and dog poop. So what's the difference? Same, but. And so beer and dog uh, and uh, money is the same. But the drunken people, uh, the donation is sometimes worrying about. Well, that's true. You worry about them. But the difference is, too, if somebody puts dog poop in your bowl, I would wash your bowl pretty good before dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's, okay. let's sit with that. Oh, no. no. Uh, 
sometimes and uh, people come to donate in the Christian newspaper. Yes. And uh, uh, okay. say negative you know, word to just uh, Christian is perfect. Buddhism is worse, worse yes. so yeah. you want to learn about uh, Christian. So you live here. He said to me, but uh, I just bowing and uh, saying chanting and uh, using a newspaper to the uh, drying uh, my shoes. Everything is donating it very variable. Well, I would be respectful of their paper too. Yeah. yeah. Let us sit. We're going to have a short. Uh, let's. We're going to have the chant to close the sutras. And then uh, we will uh, have a short zazen, super short zazen, because zen is not long or short. May we close the sutras, please? Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast zazen retreats, discussion, jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.